Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, hello, Mark. Uh, nice to see you again. And uh, I'm enjoying this really fancy new cup I've received. I know we've already talked about this cup, but let me just emphasize uh, to our viewers that this is really a modern day cup for all uses, exactly. not just coffee, not just coffee, but it's uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm so, only about halfway through this one, but I need yeah, to yeah, yeah. You know, get deep into the second before I'm fully functional. So, you know, I've been scouring and thinking about um, topics we can discuss. And once again, I, I really, really am appreciative of those who are listening in, you know, and giving us uh, ideas and we get lots of great ideas. And if you do have an idea, you know, if you could just uh, send us a note at orthojoe at jbjs.org, that's orthojoe at jbjs.org. So um, if you send us a, a great advice, we'll send you a, what, well, we'll send you a cup. We'll, we'll, and maybe I shouldn't speak over it, but if, if we put, how about this, Mark, how about this? If we use an idea, why don't we send someone a cup? Oh, is, no is that, question. Is that, no is that question. doable? Okay. Yeah, we might yeah. send two. We might even send two. Look at this. You know, the editor of JBGS is telling us we have options here. So that's great. So send us some ideas. But, you know, I want to talk to you, if I could, about something we did on the weekend uh, at Ortho Evidence. And we put out a, a short piece, a thought piece on uh, primarily platelet-rich plasma and mesenchymal stem cells. But I don't really want to spend time this morning talking to you specifically about the results and the evidence around that, but more around how do we set standards for these novel biologics. I mean, you have seen many, many biologics tested and many come and, and many, many go. So this was more of a um, discussion I'd like to have with you around what is the state of affairs of how we even decide what works and what doesn't with the focus on this. But let me give you, if I could, a couple of quotes from that particular insight that was the August 21, um, of 2021 insight, which was titled platelet-rich plasma and stem cell therapy, setting standards and evidence. So let me start off with at least a couple of definitions and uh, then I'll get your, your, your thoughts on what, what you hear here. So orthobiologics, uh, at least by one definition, are substances derived from the patient's own tissues, including bone marrow or blood that are filled with signaling molecules or cells that stimulate and enhance the repair of musculoskeletal injuries. Orthobiologics could help in, de in delaying or avoiding more invasive treatments. That's, let's say, the overall premise by which we're dealing. Now, some recent work by uh, Murray Safran and Laprade, they write, there are now over 400 complete or ongoing clinical trials evaluating the use of PRP and over 800 evaluating the use of mesenchymal stem cells in a range of clinical applications. Many of these trials have been designed and started with little knowledge of what preparations contain or without comprehensive scientific understanding of the mechanism by which they may produce benefit. Now, Lamplot, Rodale, and Brophy, and we'll make sure that you get the references for all these those who are listening in. Currently, there is a lack of consensus in the optimal preparation, source, delivery method, and dosing of biologic therapies and sports medicine applications. And this is exacerbated by a lack of sufficient experimental detail in most public studies. Now, let me keep going here. Brian Cole writes, yep. mm. many clinical trials have been initiated on the assumption, under this assumption, right? 
that the promising results that have been attained by preclinical studies would translate into a meaningful clinical effect on professional athletes. Now, although preliminary results of some studies have suggested that orthobiologics may play a role in the management of musculoskeletal injuries in athletes, allowing early return to play, decreased pain, and a lower recurrence rate, uh, other studies have not found that. So here's the point, right? When we talk about this um, broad area, um, they go on and they say, and I'll, I'll end here and get your thoughts on this. We will only truly know if biological therapies can be of therapeutic benefit if the scientific or clinical community accepts that shortcuts cannot be taken and adopts a responsible approach to the use of biological therapies, including the generation of both an evidence base to support their use and their understanding of the principles of use. I thought they were pretty compelling statements. And no one here talks about the evidence. They're talking about the principles by which we have to move forward. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Right. Yeah. So I think it's even more an important topic because we're starting to see um, uh, some uh, meta-analyses that are showing some effect on uh, stem cells, particularly with cartilage uh, injury uh, around the, the knee. Um, there was a recent Cochrane collaboration uh, publication on this that did show some effect. But we, we at the journal have been interested in this, uh, particularly our, our deputy editor for basic science, Tom Bauer, who's a pathologist at uh, HSS, very knowledgeable in this field. He wrote an editorial for us in 2016, uh, which sounded an alarm over the, these uh, small one doctor shops that were spinning down patients' blood and injecting into knees and joints and tendons and things. And um, really the, the cause for alarm is that what was being published as uh, was as, as you stated in, in one of the manuscripts you quoted, there, there was no detail or sufficient detail on how these preparations were being uh, uh, prepared right. or what their contents were uh, prior to injection. So uh, Tom and uh, many other people in this field have long been interested in developing a, a, a characterization checklist of what should be reported on these trials in terms of the preparation of the, the blood or, or whatever other tissue, the fat or wherever the stem cells are coming from and how the cells are treated and what the concentrations are as they're being injected into the patient. And I, to be completely honest with you, Mo, I'm unaware of how far that movement has gotten. I, I know there has been some international consensus work done, yeah. but I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen it published, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been done. But this is absolutely essential uh, work that has to be done before we can make advances in this field. We have to know how the, the material is being prepared and what's in it before we can really look at its effect on, on, uh, on patients. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing more and more groups come together, largely because of this, you know, relative popularity. And you can even argue explosion of, you know, groups that are promoting some of these non-operative therapies, especially the more uh, novel sounding stem cell therapies. And certainly a PRP, I think has become fairly routine. I mean, when patients start asking for it routinely, um, then it becomes, you know, almost a imperative that people provide it, you know, in various, in various forms. The challenge that I've always had is um, everybody seems to at least in the early phase of that early quote innovation phase of any sort of new new biologic, everybody um, seems to have the magic, you know, 
concoction, whatever that may be. In other words, everyone says it, but everyone's is different. Right. Um, and when challenged, you know, we say, you know, can you bring the data out? So most of us are have no problem in um, wouldn't say attacking, but providing critical uh, review of, of other preparations that don't work in lieu of saying, well, you see, that doesn't work because that's not what I do. Right. Um, the challenge is that, you know, when there's hundreds and hundreds of different preparations um, at the FDA level, also for licensing, it becomes hard, right? As far as I know, yeah. PRP is not regulated as a drug, but more so as a device. And therefore, you know, people are patenting the process rather than the actual dosage per se, you know, and I think that's the challenge, right? There is no, um, it's not regulated in the same way, which makes it very, very difficult. Uh, and I suspect the same is probably true of stem cells, but again, um, I'm not by any means an expert uh, in this area. I think I think you're saying the same. The broader issue for both of us is you get papers coming in with stem yeah. cells, I'm sure all the time, you get papers coming with PRP. How are you deciding like whether, um, like, you know, what's the filter that JBGS is using at this point to decide whether something, cause you know, it has huge impact, you know, um, a, a small study, even if it's quote, a randomized trial of 20 patients, if if it's done with methodological limitations, but suggests a huge benefit, it is going to have an impact. You know, I always say the most dangerous thing about randomized trials, uh, even the bad ones, is that people believe them. They believe them, right? Yep. They believe them over everything else. Um, and so I wonder, as gatekeepers, in a way, how do you like manage some of the stuff? Well, it's got to be methodologic rigor. And uh, yeah. of course, um, a small 20 patient trial on a very, very common uh, patient condition is is going to be pretty much rejected outright. But along the lines of the editorial that Tom Bauer wrote, you know, now some five years ago, right. we really demand that uh, a full disclosure of how the the blood or, or the the cells were prepared, and what is uh, what was the ultimate contents of that uh, preparation before it was injected into the patient. Those are really the standards before we will consider publication. It's got to be reproducible, uh, and without those details, um, it, there's no way it can be. And we're we're trying to assess uh, results and impact on patient functional outcomes without knowing if it can be reproduced. So we've got to insist on that level of detail uh, as we move this field forward, which I, I think, you know, it is in more widespread use than any academic uh, eggheads like you and I understand. Uh, and uh, I don't think the the number of, of, of small shops where people are doing these injections has decreased. Um, uh, so the, the the need for higher quality evidence that you, your publication and, yeah. and mine is responsible mm -hmm. for is is there. We we have to maintain these standards so that we can appropriately inform the public as to what can really work and what can't. Oh, absolutely. And I think the argument also is that, you know, so there'll be individuals, I'm sure, listening who are, you know, quite favorable towards some of these treatments and are saying, you know, oh, they just don't know or, you know, that's what the quote academic world says. They just attack something without actually, you know, seeing it in action, so to speak. And I think I think both of us and I won't speak for you directly, but my impression is. Like when I look at the evidence for, let's say, for PRP, it has very wide confidence intervals. So it does work in some patients. I mean, it works miraculously in some in some patients and in others, it seems to have no effect. So the average effect is still pretty good, but there's so much variability or noise that I think the, really the, the, the challenge to those uh, individuals who are insurgents who are out there using it regularly is to collect data responsibly, provide that data, 
and do it in a way where they're genuinely at some sort of equipoise where, you know, set up a system where it isn't just absolutely engineered to, to, to show a positive result, show a system where you genuinely, um, you know, can prove uh, that if it works in this population, we should be using it. Because I don't think anyone here would argue if something is of benefit, you should use it. And for certain, there is likely some formulations that seem to have a greater impact, uh, given the fact that it's been sustained over some years now, and we're seeing more and more come out. The challenges in an unblinded patient situation, there's right. so much influence of just the hope and the desire for something to work that it's hard sometimes to uncouple that uh, with the actual biological mechanism by which something is working. Right. You and I have discussed on a prior uh, issue of Ortho Joe the, the placebo controlled trials. And this yeah. is probably a place where that should probably be the standard yeah. is that we have placebo control. Um, yeah, right. It, it would be a minimal risk in, in terms of an injection. So uh, it, it, it would be important if, if researchers would consider well, this. Well, you know, even on that topic of placebo, right? We often just think of placebo as saying, okay, well, someone gets the treatment, the active treatment, the patient sees I'm getting something, and then the patient also sees I'm getting some sort of an, an injection. So I'm getting two injections. Right. But there's a very vast difference. I think you can even uncouple the aspect of the placebo effect. So imagine this, you know, um, from your perspective, um, Mark, you have, you know, two, you know, you have two people say, okay, I'm going to give you an active PRP, yeah. you know, and, and they see, and they see you come in. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go extreme here. You come into a, you know, a, a nice clinic, white coat, throw a stethoscope around your neck, whatever, right. You know, what <laughs> look a professional, have, have some uh, charts and then yeah. you do the mixing, right. And yeah. then you do that. You, you grab the violin, you tap it and you show them the layer. That's yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. Right? And then you inject it. Now imagine if you just took all of that away, just that whole sense of, oh my goodness, like, look what's happening. Something's being extracted and I'm seeing yeah. it. I'm seeing this whole laboratory effect happening. A bit of theater, I, really. <laughs> well, I think there is. So there used to be a magician you might have heard of called Doug Henning. Yeah, he was yeah. a Canadian. Yeah. And so in my mind, I know there's a trial happening locally in Hamilton called evaluating the Doug Henning effect, which is kind of the, you know, the, yeah, yeah. it's magic, right? <laughs> kind of stuff. And I'm not saying it's not, but I do think even within the placebo effect, that if you were to take away a lot of that perception of like, if, if, if you just get a needle versus you get the whole, yeah. like you, you see the approach, right? Yeah. Like, like, let's say you're getting an injection of a corticosteroid. Well, you don't get the preparation. You don't right. get the spinning down. You don't see the layer. Now I'm not saying patients are all shown this, but if yeah. you were, yeah. it's just one more additive impact to if this is going to work. Now, sure. am I saying that this is all hocus pocus? Not at all. No. I'm just saying that, there's an element here that we have to uncouple um, and try to understand it. And that's all it is. And I yeah. genuinely believe that in all of these areas, there's going to be huge benefits that come from it. And I just hope that the, those academics out there and the, uh, you know, and the users, the practitioners who are using it and believe so strongly will partner on trials to really demonstrate the value of what they already believe is happening for their patients. Right. We need better evidence. And that's what OE and JBJS are all about. So. Ah. Yeah. All in, but anyways, that was, I thought it was an important little discussion that's happened. I'm happy we've had it. And if any of the uh, viewers, um, listeners have comments, please, you know, if we're completely out to lunch on this, educate us and you get a free cup, you get a cup too. If we talk about it, come on, yeah. you want your cup. So anyways, anyways, Mark, that was great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Yeah. Bye.